the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Healthcare Now, paid for by Integrated Physician Network. This program is recorded to air at this time. Healthcare premiums through the roof. So much to think about when it comes to healthcare. Who do you talk to? Where do you go next? Well, we've got your answer to navigating the healthcare world. Welcome to Healthcare Now with host Mark Chayat and Larry Jones. And now let's head into the Healthcare Now studios. Welcome to Healthcare Now, and thanks for joining us on this Saturday afternoon. I'm Dr. Mark with my co-host, Larry Jones. Larry, how are you today? Good afternoon, Dr. Mark. So, Larry, as always, our show's about educating folks about healthcare things, consumers that need to know how to do this stuff, and we've gotten a lot of great feedback for some previous weeks. Yeah, let me just say one thing about uh last week's show with Dr. Jim Nottis. Yeah, he was fantastic. That was phenomenal. Yeah. It really was. I mean, every American he's, he's needs to hear what he said for 39 minutes, yep. Doctor Mark. And I spoke to him after he mm-hmm. uh, heard the show, and he was he was really excited about it. He yep. he thanked us again for having on. And I was like, no, this is that was all you. That was fantastic. It was it was so, excellent. And well, talking about knowledgeable, I'm not sure there's ever been a health radio show that had that kind of 39 minutes worth of it, information. It was, it was packed. It cost you a fortune to get that <laughs> yeah. from a doctor. Well, you know, and, and we we might as well. Uh, Pump him up a little bit. He does have those YouTubes right. on Galen, right. uh, and if you just if you just search his name, and he's just full of great stuff. And it's and it's stuff that you can really digest and understand, and you can make life changes. Yep. Yep. You know, it's not like you're you know moving to to Tibet and yep. having to change everything to right. be healthier. So that was really exciting. I hope we can have him on again. I think we will. Yep. I think we will. Okay. Well, let's get rolling. Uh, there's mm-hmm. a few good things in the uh, the COVID pipeline. Um, as as it's t- has been typical, we've started most of our uh, sessions talking a little bit about COVID. Yep. And I think one of the first things we should talk about is the FDA approval after the CDC suggestion that mm-hmm. immunocompromised folks should get a vaccine. A booster. A booster yep. vaccine mm-hmm. eight months after their vaccine. Exactly. So if they got the, the two vaccine, it'd be eight months after the second vaccine. Right, right. In other words, in my situation, I had my second shot February 5th. Uh-huh. That means I'm eligible October 5th to get right. the booster. Right. And it was kind of, it's kind of vague as to who qualifies. And there's nothing that's really said at the places that are giving out the vaccines that they're going to turn people away. Um, if you walk in and say, you know, I'm immunocompromised, you know, they're so yeah. so you do have to bring your vaccine card right. to show that you've had right. the two. Or I the think one the whole Johnson issue was the uh, severity that the vaccine continues to work. Yes. And it diminishes over time. And they've identified that the best recourse is eight months and a booster. Right. So the, yep. the way this works is <clears throat> if you're immunocompromised and you can be immunocompromised from natural disease. You can be immunocompromised from taking medicines like uh, the things we call biologics. Yep. Uh, if you have an organ mm-hmm. transplant, you have to take things that lower your immune response. A vaccine works by creating an immune response. So it's always made sense that these folks would be more at risk for the vaccine either not working mm-hmm. or having a shorter duration. 
Right. And so the, the information that I was really interested in is we followed along how many people that had been vaccinated, fully vaccinated, ended out in the hospital. Yep. And we're looking at between 5 and 10% of hospital admissions exactly. are people that are vaccinated. But of those who end out in the ICU, the overwhelming majority are those who are immunocompromised. Or and, unvaccinated. Well, no, no. Well, yep. They, they, yep. See, now you're mixing numbers. So I'm going to okay. talk about that little okay. percent, okay. right? Yep. So, yeah, we know that we know that, that they're yep. all unvaccinated. Right. You know, it, right. it it's still the, the, uh, the plague of the unvaccinated. Right. But the exception to that rule is the immunocompromised. So hopefully... This will address that issue. Right. Now, I had a friend of mine who I wouldn't say, I mean, he's had some health issues in the last year. Mm-hmm. He's had some recent surgery. He's had his two vaccines and he went and got a booster. So I, I've got to interrogate him and find out he how and where. He already got his booster. Oh, wow. Now, he's probably he's probably eight months out, but okay. but he doesn't. Take, I don't, he doesn't fit some of the criteria that I've seen, but it's going to be interesting. Mm-hmm. And I think it's going to continue to confuse people a little bit because this doesn't mean that the rest of us will need a booster. And it doesn't mean that that's right that we won't. Well, you know, I think uh, the question remains on a lot of people's mind. Am I going to have to have this booster every year? Right. And we just don't know. We don't know. So, uh, someone, a uh, buddy of mine uh, whose friend is in the ICU, who's, who's unvaccinated and uh, young, young guy. Uh, just asked me, he said, you know, Dr. Mark, are we ever going to be rid of this thing? And, you know, I, th- I think that the only way it happens is, as we've talked about before, is if we get to that really high number of vaccinated or 90, infected. 95 percent, yeah. probably. Yep. And and the question becomes, so far, the variants have responded to the vaccines that we have. Right. Uh, and the changes in the variants were more in, you know, how how quickly they spread or how likely they were to spread. But will we get a chance to see some other mutation that this vaccine doesn't control? Right. And so we just don't know. Right. And I mean, that's not the doom and gloom. We're in, well, I mean, I we take in the a, worst of it. We take a flu shot every year, so we do. it could be included in that. Right. Even. right. But, you know, there's some other things happening, Dr. Mark. You know, our, our governor here in Florida, Ron DeSantis, has taken a lot of heat over some of the decisions the mass, yeah. that he's made, the mass mandates. But right. he's also concerned about the rising ER visits and hospitalizations of unvaccinated right. as well as vaccinated. And he's come up with an interesting uh, concept. You want to talk about that? Yeah. And, you know, it's sort of to double back a little bit. He's, mm-hmm. He does not, you know, want to allow a mandate for masks in school. Right. He's been extremely vocal about this. He's been on national news daily yep. about yep. this. And, you know, he that's believes a lot that of parents should choose for themselves right. how they want to deal with it. And so on the flip side, um, he's now s- launched a program where one of the monoclonal antibodies mm-hmm. uh, is going to be available to anybody who drives up and says, yep. I, here's my positive test and I'm having symptoms. I, I, he's I, called I was it vaccinated a rapid response not, unit. Yeah, rapid and response it's Regeneron. Unit. Yeah. So right, so it's so Regeneron, which mm-hmm. Regeneron is is a word that became sort of a household word when President Trump was uh, treated for, with a monoclonal antibody, yep. and it was Regeneron. If I'm right. not terribly mistaken, I don't I think, think that's right. And so this is a it's a lo- lo- lighter dose cocktail for Regeneron that was approved by the FDA for the treatment of COVID. And it has shown to reduce severity and length mm-hmm. of illness. So well, he's even hoping that it'll avoid hospitalization at, at all. all. Well, that yeah, and, yeah. well, that's where we are. So, yep. so that was jump to today, mm-hmm. where Florida is on fire, 
and we've got yep. hospital beds yep. being filled up by COVID patients. You know, we've no got question. ICU beds. So, you know, th- we we account for a large number of the cases in the in the southeast and quite frankly in the country. And the governors are right to look at what can we do, what we can do next, right. because we've been pushing the vaccine and pushing the vaccine. But there's only so many patients that are actually responding to that, right, that are responding and going out and getting vaccinated. Right. And I think we're going to hit that point where that group of 14 or 15 percent just aren't going to do it no matter right. what. Right. And so what what else can we do? So let's talk about that for a minute. You're unvaccinated. You get symptoms. You can go to uh, what Camping World Camping Stadium World. here yeah, in Camping Orlando Stadium, right now. Bowl. Yep. They're doing 320 a day, seven right. days a week. And according to DeSantis, they're going to be opening up sites in Jacksonville and some other areas for this uh, Regeneron injection or yep. uh, intravenous injection. Yep. And so now you get that done. Do you feel like now I don't need the vaccination? Well, so <laughs> it, it does. It creates all sorts of things. Yeah. Now, I, I want to bring up uh, another issue is so Regeneron's a monoclonal antibody. Remember the last monoclonal antibody we talked about on air? The Aldehelm. Oh, Adahelm. Yeah, Aldehelm yeah. for, yeah. for, for Alzheimer's. Alzheimer's. Yep. Mm-hmm. Which was a $56,000 That's right. shot. Yep. So I, I didn't know realize that was a monoclonal. What Regeneron's but, yeah. doing. Yeah, okay. that was monoclonal. Yeah. Okay. So Regeneron I, I don't know. We didn't I didn't I didn't prep enough to uh to come up with a price or how it's injected. Yep. I assume it's IV. I don't, you know, but and it's, it's free. It's, it is free yeah, to well, right. it's, it's somebody's paying somebody's for it. Paying for it. Somebody's <laughs> paying for it. I don't. I don't think the maker of Regeneron or it's Regeneron Pharmaceuticals. I think is the company, yeah. and I don't know that they're donating. But hey, maybe they are. I don't want to uh, you know yeah. rain on anybody's parade. But you, but you have that. So, but oh, I'm pretty sure our taxpayers' test, dollars paid for this, Doctor Mark, somewhere. <laughs> yeah. But I I would say that you know once you're infected, you do have some level of immunity right. for a period of time. Correct. Um, and if you're not immunocompromised, you know you could argue that you you can donate b- donate your plasma, and mm-hmm. as long as your as your antibody levels are elevated, that you don't need the vaccine in that period of time. If you were fortunate enough to right. survive, right? right now, once you get the monoclonal antibody, I would I, I'd be interested. I bet you mm-hmm. can no longer donate your plasma. That's something that we should look into. I think that is the case. But, you know, let me let me go back and let's step back a second and look at this. Trump got COVID and he yes. went to the hospital. Yep. And they treated him with this cocktail. Yep. And he got better. Correct. Then he got vaccinated, correct? Yes. Afterwards. Afterwards. So I'm I love the idea that DeSantis is concerned about not overpowering the hospitals. I mean, we're both yeah, in the healthcare very field. Very important. We, we, and you don't want ERs overloaded either. Mm-hmm. But And you certainly don't want ICUs to be overloaded. Right. But I think we need to have the conversation about this isn't a replacement for the vaccine. It's not. There's no question yep. that it's not. Yep. And, I, and I think that every time we add something like this, and, and this is the way things are going to go, yep. we keep adding on and adding on to uh, the quality. You know, if it's just a simple thing, like in the schools, yep. if you're exposed to somebody yep. who has COVID, there's a policy that says, you know, you got to stay out for 14, whatever the policy is. Right. And right. then you add, oh, wait, but I was vaccinated. Oh, well, then you don't have to do that. Well, what about, wait, I got Regeneron. When can I come back to school? So, right. so right. It, it, there is, there's more to, more to the this. whole situation. Yeah. Well, and, you know, the other and we thing, don't know the answers. You, I mean, you, it's you actually end. bring up something very interesting that uh, just hit me. If you haven't had the vaccine, mm-hmm. 
and you take the monoclonal, if you do get symptoms, how long do you have to sit out as an exposure? Yeah, to, that, that's, to, what, that's what I'm saying. That's yeah. what you're yeah. basically yeah, once, saying. Once yeah. you get the yeah. monoclonal, yeah. and yeah. so it's and, – and they're going to argue about this. The school board Forever. is going to scream about this. Forever. And like, we don't have any data. Yeah. And I think yep. that's – the two things that are most frustrating about this – is that a it's been a political virus right. and b that there's yep. so much bad information out there yep. and the reason there's bad information is because there's a vacuum of good information yes. it because we just don't have the data yet we we have a lot of yep. information out a lot there of that data, we can, but then but, you but compound not everything because yep. this is a whole this is totally new and what exactly. other states are I was just looking up I can't see but mm-hmm. it's got to be other states thinking about doing this yeah and are, I, I mean, agree I mean, you know, we're Florida man and all, but I mean, we don't we don't have to be the only ones in. Yeah, but you know, in a few minutes, we're going to have to have uh, we're going to have Doctor Ajay, who's a mm-hmm. pediatric pulmonologist, right. on, and I think one of the things we're going to talk about is you've got all these kids under age twelve that have no vaccinations. Yes, and a lot of these kids are ending up in the hospital. It's about five to ten percent of the hospital admissions right now in the Orlando market. Yeah, see, I I'm not seeing that. Yeah, it's definitely. Well, I think there, there's a significant increase with this variant, right? But uh, but but we actually I get the the raw numbers for the two major hospitals, and it's and I haven't it's heard not, of any no, deaths. No, no, it's no. So at one of the big yeah. systems, they have seventeen hundred admissions, okay, and they have less than a dozen children. So okay, you know, I, okay. I, I, so it's I, a very I small to, number. It's a small yeah. it's a small yeah. number, but it is twice as much as we were at the last spike. Exactly. With Alpha. Exactly. So it's still important. Yeah. And probably more important is the idea that that these younger kids are bringing it yep. home to their unvaccinated grandparents. Although in Florida, exactly. you know, I, we we did a really good job in the elderly and getting those folks vaccinated. Yep. Listen, we got to go to break yep. right now, but we're okay. going to come back and talk with Doctor Jai, yep. and uh, I'm looking forward to that. We'll be right back. Mark Chayot, MD practicing pediatric surgeon since 1997, working with Central Florida's premier hospital systems and outpatient surgery centers, providing unparalleled patient care and leveraging the latest in medical, technology, and education, accepting all major insurance. 407-228-4774 or visit orlandopediatricsurgery.com. The Integrated Independent Physicians Network, preserving and protecting the independent practice of medicine since 2015. Join the movement with us, ipnetworkflorida.com. Mark Chayot, MD, practicing pediatric surgeon since 1997, working with Central Florida's premier hospital systems and outpatient surgery centers, providing unparalleled patient care and leveraging the latest in medical, technology, and education. Accepting all major insurance. 407-228-4774 or visit orlandopediatricsurgery.com. The Integrated Independent Physicians Network. Preserving and protecting the independent practice of medicine since 2015. Join the movement with us. IPNetworkFlorida.com. Mark Chayot, MD, practicing pediatric surgeon since 1997, working with Central Florida's premier hospital systems and outpatient surgery centers, providing unparalleled patient care and leveraging the latest in medical, technology, and education, 
accepting all major insurance. 407-228-4774 or visit orlandopediatricsurgery.com. Welcome to Healthcare Now. Welcome back to Healthcare Now. Uh, we have Dr. Akena Jai with us this afternoon, Dr. Mark, who is a pediatric pulmonologist uh, with Orlando Pediatric Pulmonary over on West Fairbanks in Winter Park. Welcome to the show, Dr. Ajay. We are delighted to have you on Healthcare Now this afternoon. Thank you, Larry. Thank you, Mark. Thanks to thanks to be on your show. No, I'm really really excited. Mm-hmm. We actually were uh, we've been trying to get you on for a while. You're a super busy man, yeah. uh, good friend of mine, and I'm so so excited we we're able to get you on. I'm going to let Larry sort of uh, yep. talk it off uh, sure. and uh, ask a couple of questions, and we'll get things rolling. Yeah. Well, let me kind of introduce Dr. Ajay. Yeah. He's a pediatric pulmonologist, as I stated in Winter Park. And he's affiliated with multiple hospitals right. in the area, including St. Joseph's Hospital in Tampa, as well as Orlando Regional. He received his medical degree from University of Lauren, Faculty of Health Sciences, has been in practice for more than 20 years here in Orlando. He's board certified in pediatrics. He's board certified in pediatric pulmonology, as well as pediatric sleep medicine. So pediatric pulmonologists treat ailments of the lung and the respiratory system respiratory system in children, Dr. Jai, Can you tell us a little about your background and your practice? Yes, so I'm, as you mentioned, I'm a pediatric pulmonologist and sleep disorder specialist, and I have been doing this in uh, Florida now for about 19 years. I came here right after I finished my fellowship at the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, Mm -hmm. and over the course of 19 years, we have built a practice that offers a wide range of coverage of all kinds of pulmonary diseases, including asthma, allergies, children that go home on ventilators, um, kids with um, pneumonias, persistent coughs, as well as children that have sleep disorders. Mm-hmm. And I offer that service um, throughout Central Florida as far as um, as far down south as West Palm Beach, north up to Daytona, and then Tampa, and Ocala and Leesburg in between. So we're pretty much everywhere at the moment within Florida. You know, I've had the opportunity to see your practice grow. Um, I, I got here a few years before you did, and it's it's really been exciting. Um, I just you know want our listeners to know that you're an exceptional doctor, uh, a really smart businessman, and another independent physician. And it's really it's really been an honor to work with you over the years. I know that the big topic today is is COVID-19. I would like to ask you a couple of non-loaded questions. How, how has COVID-19 affected your practice specifically? So, you know, it's actually an interesting one. From the outside looking in, people would assume that COVID-19 has been great for physicians. And, but the truth is, in pediatrics, COVID-19, from a, um, on, an, on an economic basis, has been... Um, terrible for pediatrics right it's um uh, first of all whether people want to believe it or not masks actually do work and the reality of pediatrics is that because children have been wearing masks not only have they not had covid they literally had not had influenza parainfluenza, rhinovirus right. coronavirus yeah, adenovirus or point. anything yeah. else so we had an excellent Hope year for my patients, which I'm really happy about that they did incredibly well from a health perspective. But the reality of it is, 
COVID is a big issue in pediatrics. Yeah, that was last year. Last year. Yeah. I do expect this year to be different. And, and, and why is that? I think, I think I know your answer, but hit me up. Now that we've decided that we do not want our children to wear masks, um, the upshot of that is that pediatric offices, including mine, will become very busy, mm-hmm. which is kind of ironic because the people who are out there screaming the most, asking people to wear their masks, are the people whose businesses, in our case, pediatricians, are most hurt by kids wearing masks. Right. Yet we keep asking people to have their, to tell their children to wear masks. If the children don't wear masks, as they are not at the moment, then what we're seeing is what we are going to continue seeing. More cases of COVID, more kids in the hospital with COVID, more kids with influenza this year. I shudder to think about what happens when we see patients who have COVID and then have influenza or have influenza and then have COVID. Children with RSV and what happens if you have a child who has RSV and then gets COVID thereafter. I mean, the setup is going to be, it's going to be horrible for the kids. So Dr. Ajay, what is your recommendation to parents you know schools start at august 10th in most of the counties i think volusia this week what is a expert in this and you've been in the news a lot regarding the schools what do you want to say to parents honestly make sure you have your child wear a mask if you have any form of influence politically it's time to talk to your politicians i don't care whether you're on the left or on the right at some point common sense has to prevail There is no good reason why children should get ill. I mean, as a pediatrician, as a person who takes care of children, I actually love seeing my patients healthy. I don't want to see sick kids, and I don't want to see sick kids in the hospital. The other thing people tend to forget is they keep saying the kids need to go back to school, the kids need to be in school. But I mean, take a look at, and I've been talking about this, but look at what happened in Hillsborough County just yesterday. You open schools without kids wearing masks. Immediately, you find out that within a week, you've got 80 kids who are positive for COVID. And as a result of that, you have to send 5,500 kids home to quarantine for the next two weeks. Right. Wow. Does anybody have a plan for how those kids are supposed to get their learning done over those next coming two weeks? Do the parents already have babysitting plans for those next two weeks? Much less the parents losing work because they have to stay home with their kids. Yeah. And because it's unorganized, it's going to be so disruptive, right? And then what's going to happen is those kids are going to go back to school in two weeks, and then a couple of their mates are going to get COVID. And then what are you going to do next? Yeah. Send everybody back home for another two weeks? I mean, this is an absolute joke. It yeah. is. No, it is. I mean, that was the big worry, you know, when it was sort of forced upon us that we're going to do this at-home learning. Everybody said, okay, we're going to buckle down. But they resisted. There, there's, no, there's no plan B. And, and you're, you're absolutely right. Well, you know, since we've, we're talking specifically about this, and this wasn't, wasn't the attempt, but I, I really right. love where we're going with this. Right. So the argument against masks. Okay, so I totally, I'm hearing, you know, wear a mask. This is an airborne disease, just like influenza, just like the common cold. So I, I see the positives. Where, where is there even the negative? Where's it coming from? I mean, quite honestly, it doesn't make any sense. There is no... I hate to say, but there is no sensible negative. There's just an unbelievable emotion that goes nowhere. So, and, so you, and you're, you're just, a scientist, and you're a, you're a pediatric pulmonologist. So, if there's going to be something bad about a mask, it's going to affect know. the lungs. Right. Okay. That's so, right. you're telling me that, that it's just not. Well, let me ask you this: no. uh, as a you know, we talked about what are the negatives. What about parents that say? 
well, my kids are young. Even if they get COVID, it's not going to be serious. They're not going to end up in the hospital. They're certainly not going to end up in ICU or die. What do you say to those parents, Dr. Ajay? Well, you know, first of all, I would say to them, go and look at the hospital right now. Go into the pediatric unit. Go and look at the pediatric floors. Go and look at the pediatric ICUs. It is not adults who are currently on admission in our pediatric ICUs. It is children. It is children, young children, teenagers, adolescents. That's what's in the hospital right now. We have more children in hospital with COVID right now than we had at any point in time last year. And right. any point wow. in time in even this About year related to COVID-19. It's, yep. it's horrendous. Now, do you think that's because of the Delta variant or just COVID in general? I definitely think the Delta variant may have something to do with it. But the reality of it is the biggest reason is a change in behavior. Yes. Now, that, that makes the, sense. The, that makes sense. Yeah. The fact that we are no longer doing sensible behaviors is what has led to the biggest problem we have right now. Right. Well, now we've talked a little bit on our show about that, not a little bit, a lot about vaccines. And so these kids, a lot of these, you know, under 12, they're not eligible for any vaccine. Where do you see this going? I mean, what's your what's your professional feeling about the vaccine? You know, when are we going to see it on the younger, younger children or if if we will? I would expect that we would probably see this in the younger kids. I had hoped it would be September, but it's possible that it may not be till um, October. Okay. Um, but I do expect that we will be have we will be vaccinating um, children at least three and above, um, three and above. by okay. o- by October. I would expect that we will be doing that. I you mean, know, the real question is: even if we can, will people will do we it? have enough people willing yeah. to have their children vaccinated? Right. Well, and it is. It's, it's, that is a real question. It's a real struggle because, as we talk on the show all the time, there's so much information available to everyone and the it, it overwhelms the real facts i mean there's just so much out there that's and it's become very and, political and, and yep. yeah and it, so it's, it's really hard to hard to keep up and i mean your parents or your patients there do they come talk to you about this so i get some parents that come to talk to me about it um I have, surprisingly, even in a pediatric pulmonology clinic, and I, you know how passionate I am about this. Absolutely. There are still people who don't want to get their children vaccinated. I have to be honest with you. As a physician, one of the most annoying things that I hear is when people tell me they have done their research. Yeah. Now, <laughs> yeah. That is not to say that people should not seek out knowledge, but... As a physician, going through a fellowship, going through a residency, and then going through a fellowship, we don't just pick up an article to read. You are actually trained on how to read an article. Understand whether the study was done correctly. Understand the biases involved in the study. And then understand how to interpret that study and determine if it's a good study worth interpreting. So when people tell me that they've done their research, my first question is, well, how much do you actually understand of medicine to the extent that you feel so comfortable with this research that you're seeing. Again, I'm not telling people not to study on their own, but truthfully, at some point in time, you have to trust the physicians. Of course. And if anything, trust our behaviors. If I wouldn't get this vaccine, if I wouldn't give my kid this vaccine, 
then I get it if you tell me you don't want to take it. Right. But we're willing to take it, and we're telling you we'll take, we'll take it. So I think that should mean something to people. No, you I know. think that's that's absolutely true. And and it's funny that I had someone say exactly that. that I like to do my research. I said, you know, no disrespect, but doing reading isn't doing research. And, and really knowing the difference between fact and fiction is not easy. Exactly. Because people have figured out, like, oh, you know what? If it comes from a good place, oh, Johns Hopkins, that's a good Well, you know, there's a bunch of research out there from John Hopkins and people that are they're just fooling you left and right. So it it's it's a yeah. challenge, and I, I feel you. I mean, it's definitely a big deal. Dr. Ajay, we're going to take a break and come back. Hopefully you'll stay with us for another uh, segment. And when we get back, I want to talk to you about what about these parents with kids ages seven or below that have always not liked the vaccine for their kids? What do you say to these parents to help them? We'll be right back. The Integrated Independent Physicians Network, preserving and protecting the independent practice of medicine since 2015. Join the movement with us, ipnetworkflorida.com. Mark Chayot, MD, practicing pediatric surgeon since 1997, working with Central Florida's premier hospital systems and outpatient surgery centers, providing unparalleled patient care and leveraging the latest in medical, technology, and education, accepting all major insurance. 407-228-4774 or visit orlandopediatricsurgery.com. Well, we've got your answer to navigating the healthcare world. Welcome to Healthcare Now. Welcome back to Healthcare Now. We're talking with Dr. Akina Jai, who is a pediatric pulmonologist here in the Orlando area, and we've had a good discussion so far. So, Dr. Jai, you had uh, wanted to follow up on some of our comments on our previous section. So, all of us that are somewhere between the age of 22 and 50 years old are probably parents to someone who's between 1 and 18 years old. Fair. And it's amazing to see how many people will, on any given day of the week, puff out their chest and tell you they'll take a bullet for their kid. I mean, you hear it all the time, right? I'll take right. a bullet for my child. I'll, take, right. I'll do anything for my child. And then I look at COVID, right? And I look at vaccines, and this is for the adults, not even for their kids. And you ask the parents, well, have you had the vaccine? And they tell you no. And I look at them and I say to them, well, why haven't you had the vaccine? You have a four-year-old at home or an eight-year-old at home. This is a virus that might kill you, has a pretty good chance of killing you if you get it. Is there any one person in the world more important than you? When it comes to raising your child, right? No, no doubt. Good do you point. want it to go on your? Do you want it to go on your headstone that um, coward and um, cowardly parents, scared parents, refused to take a vaccine that would have allowed him to be around to actually raise his own kids? So now somebody else gets to raise their kids. Is that really what it is? I mean, how many times are you going to see pictures of of, of adults? Of, I mean, of kids, three, five, seven-year-olds with their mother or with their father, and then they're telling you the parent, the other parent just died from COVID. And I look at yeah. that and I'm like, yeah. Yeah. can you just say you take a bullet for your kid yeah. and you won't take a vaccine to ensure that you are there to raise your own child? Then why yeah. do you keep telling us you'll take a bullet if you won't even do this? 
Now you make a, young a, kid. That's a you, you make point. a good point because I mean, it is it's a it's a shot in the arm and and people say it's a shot in the arm. Yeah, we talked about like the the five myths of of the vaccine on a previous did. show yep. and and not a not a single one of them is worth taking a risk to not right. raise your kids. I mean, you're right. No, that's a yeah. great point. Well, you know, I we mean, talked, that's what it comes down to at the end. It yeah, is, we, who's uh, going to raise your kid? You know, there there are a lot of folks out there who came into this this COVID world with a idea about all vaccines right. uh, that they were very negative. You know, the 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 non vaxxers That's actually that that group of, mm-hmm. of folks that that you know. I respect people's opinions and the the lack of wanting to be mandated. But what is your experience in in your practice with folks that come in uh, without typical vaccines? Or say, yeah, we I, we don't get vaccines for our kids because of concern X Y Z. Well, I try very hard to convince them to get um, the vaccines. Um, I'm a big believer in vaccinations. I tell people, look, you've got to just imagine you're a kid who got epiglottitis or something who, you know, because they wouldn't take their hemophilus influenza B or or a kid that's ended up with um, meningitis. I mean, for those of us who have had who have had an opportunity to actually see infectious disease at its worst, we realize that there is absolutely no playing around when it comes to protecting yourself because it's it's really hard to sit back there and explain to someone, your child or someone later on, that, oh, yes, by the way, I had something I could have done that would have stopped this from happening to you, and I sat aside and didn't do anything about it. Right. But um, I see that to be a big issue for a lot of people is their unwillingness to actually um, get past that hump. And do you think it's just fear, Dr. Ajay, or what do you think the real reason is? Um, honestly, it's poor information. Yeah. I really think it's gotten worse, and I, I really put it down to poor information. <clears throat> okay. uh, people think they understand what they don't understand. Mm-hmm. And they're trying to, you know, it's really bad. You know what they always say about data? If you've got bad data going in, you're bound to get bad data coming out. Right. And people are using are using wrong information. They're using the wrong information to try and make a conclusion. But then that means that invariably you're going to end up with um, you're going to end up with a wrong with a wrong conclusion, and that's what's yeah. happening. You know, a couple of weeks ago we talked about a cartoon that we saw right. with a uh, a little girl asking her mom, "Why don't I have that scar on my arm like you do?" And her mom says, well, that was a smallpox vaccination. And she says, well, why don't I have one? And she responded, because it worked. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, there, yeah there's definitely, you know, and it allows yeah. us to segue into you know, advancements in medicine. And certainly, you know, the, the COVID vaccine is a tremendous advancement in medicine. It's a technology that's been, they've been working on for about 10 years. And it's, it's really interesting, uh, unlike that smallpox vaccine. Yep. And it's been pretty interesting. What types of advances in the uh, pediatric pulmonary world are you particularly engaged with and have, have enjoyed seeing over your training and your career? You know, there's been a lot of things that have changed. You know, one of the things that we see, for example, is in things like pulmonary function testing. Um, in the past, it was very hard to do a pulmonary function test, which is a test that would do for kids with asthma in any child that was less than six because Spirometry, which is the standard standard test that we use, is hard to do below that age. There were some infant PFTs that could be done in um, critical high-level institutions, but very hard to do on the outside. Um, but in the last 15, 12, 15 years and up to now, 
We've now had increased movement to things like um, impulse oscillometry that allows us to measure airway resistance. So now we can do lung function testing in children as young as three, which makes it easier for us to answer those questions for parents with kids that have asthma. And we're also doing exhaled nitric oxide measurements that allow us to better measure inflammation. So now when we're treating patients, we can actually um, see in fairly real time the response of our medications because we can now measure these parameters more uh, more effectively. So that's been a really good improvement. What What's your number one pulmonary uh, disease that you see, volume-wise? Asthma. 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 And so Asthma. so that's that's the medications you're discussing. A lot of that are those like the bronchodilators and things, what the responses are? Yes, yeah, so the inhaled steroids, the biologics um, that have come into play now that allow us to manage patients with severe asthma. Mm-hmm. So well, you know, Dr. Zhao, I have a uh, grandson who has childhood asthma. Do these kids outgrow this asthma naturally? Um, it's a yes and a no answer. What we always tell people is if you've got a history of wheezing, before the age of, you know, somewhere between the age of um, of one and four, um, you've got a good chance that you may still outgrow your wheezing episodes. But if you are wheezing by the time you are eight, okay. you are not outgrowing your ass. Right. <clears throat> okay. And we do, you know, and that diagnosis early on, I mean, it's, it's probably a different thing, right? I mean, it's is it still asthma when they're two years old? Oh, yeah, it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is, definitely. Interesting. So tell me, how do you actually do the pulmonary testing on the three-year-olds? And, you know. So it's actually a really cool technology that we use nowadays. With impulse oscillometry, the child's only contribution to the test is just to breathe normally. So we, they don't have to do hard breathing. They don't have to do any forced maneuver. They just breathe normally into this tube. And while they're breathing, the actual machine is bouncing sound across their airway and it's measuring the speed with which the sound returns back to the machine from the depths of the airway. So the stiffer an airway is, the faster the sound comes back. Mm-hmm. And the more supple, the larger an airway, the slower the wave moves through. Almost if you think about how a ripple goes through water right. and how quickly it bounces back and all. So literally what we're doing is we're measuring sound um, by the speed with which it travels. Is it and like so through a, a vest? Do they wear a vest or is it just in the mask? No, just in the mask. Wow. No, it's just in the mouthpiece. They just have a mouthpiece on their mouth, and it's connected to a a signal amplifier and a speaker that actually um, measures and picks up that sound as it's coming right back. Wow. And it can measure, and we can measure resistance based on how quickly the signal goes and returns. That's great. That that's that's really interesting. So that's on the tech side. So now. The other big advances that we've seen during our career are on the medicine side, on pharmacology. Yes. What, what are some of the big breakthroughs that, that you're particularly excited about? So for cystic fibrosis, which is one of the conditions I manage, um, we've had uh, a lot of improvements on the use of genetic medications that actually can go in and literally help rewrite, um, rewrite the way the body works, allow us to produce sweat, like we couldn't produce before, mm-hmm. actually changes the quality of the sweat that's coming through, so that it becomes less, um, it, it becomes less useful in terms. It becomes less palatable for bacteria mm-hmm. and much easier to come out of the body. And that's been an amazing advancement that has simply changed the management of thing, a condition like cystic fibrosis. Yeah, and that, then when you look an at a disease like asthma, that's a tough one. Cystic fibrosis, right? Yep. 
Well, Dr. Ajay, yeah, you, you know, you mentioned disease, that oh, yeah, sorry. a lot of the patients that you see, uh, predominantly asthma is one of your biggest ones. So what do you, what concerns do you have with our children today regarding a healthy environment? And how do you communicate that to parents? So, you know, the most important thing is for children, a healthy environment is good, but you don't want an environment that's too clean. Children need to learn how to still roll around in the mud. I know that sounds funny to say, <laughs> but our immune systems don't our immune systems don't develop just around just by us being around things that are very clean. We actually need to be around bacteria, we need to be around fungus, we need to be around viruses in order for us to develop a healthy immune system. Otherwise, there's a higher tendency that we will develop more of an allergic type immune system, which can be um, problematic as well because that comes with issues of its own. But um, Having said that, a good diet is super important. Um, avoiding inhalational agents is huge. So I'm not just talking about the secondhand smoke, but with a lot of our younger teenagers now, and not just our older teenagers, vaping. Mm-hmm. They, right. we, they really need to get out of the habit that they're getting Terrible into. Situation. It is yeah. never healthy to inhale anything into your lungs. That isn't just that. <clears throat> It's we actually did a that. show on a little bit of that, and evidently 15% of America are vaping now. Yes. And we're not definitely healthy. seeing it yep. younger and younger. Yeah, right? and the younger. Well, i tell you, it's been great getting you on here. It's been a long time coming, and I think you know we'd like to see if we can convince you to come by another another time, and we can talk about, hopefully we have something more than COVID-related things to talk about. This has been super educational, and I thank you so much for your time. I do want you to go and go ahead and just state how our listeners can get in touch with you and your practice, and because I mean this is all about spreading the word of the yep. good medicine that you uh, that you deliver. So I would look forward to coming back and doing this again. I definitely would love to do something around my other specialty, which is sleep medicine. Yes, yeah. love um, to talk that's about that. That's a whole that. topic yep. for a whole other day. Okay, um, but. We've got offices in Winter Park and, like I said, in most of the other major cities. Our website is www.childrensleeplab.com. And that's Children's Sleep Lab, either with one or two S's, you will still get us. Nice. And the main, and the main office number is 407-898-2767. We're very active on social media, so... We're also Children's Sleep Lab and Dr. Ajay on Facebook. Well, Dr. Ajay, thank you so much for joining us on Healthcare Now. This has been an excellent conversation, and we will have you back to talk about sleep medicine in the future. Thank you so much. Thank Take you care. very much. Mark Chayot, M.D., practicing pediatric surgeon since 1997, working with Central Florida's premier hospital systems and outpatient surgery centers, providing unparalleled patient care and leveraging the latest in medical, technology, and education, accepting all major insurance. 407-228-4774 or visit orlandopediatricsurgery.com. The Integrated Independent Physicians Network, preserving and protecting the independent practice of medicine since 2015. Join the movement with us, ipnetworkflorida.com. 
Mark Chayot, MD, practicing pediatric surgeon since 1997, working with Central Florida's premier hospital systems and outpatient surgery centers, providing unparalleled patient care and leveraging the latest in medical, technology, and education, accepting all major insurance. 407-228-4774 or visit Orlando Pediatric Surgery. The Integrated Independent Physicians Network, preserving and protecting the independent practice of medicine since 2015. Join the movement with us, ipnetworkflorida.com. Welcome to Healthcare Now. Welcome back to Healthcare Now. Larry, that was a great couple of talks and sessions with Dr. Jai. I really appreciate him coming on. He's a busy, busy guy. And I just tell our listeners, I mean, we've been tracking him to get him on the air yep. for a while now. We have. He was one of the first people we were trying to get on I've back in I've been trying January. to get him on here for about three months. So I don't yep. know. We have to yep. figure out a way to make him work less. I don't know. I don't know. What, what an informative discussion we had. Yep. No. Yep. He's, a great, he's a great guy. He's been a longtime friend and definitely the, the go-to yep. person in, in yep. his field. It's really, really exciting. Well, I think all the school districts, yeah. Osceola, Seminole, mm-hmm. and Orange, and maybe even Brevard have looked to him for advice. No, they have during yeah, and, this whole process. I did, and he's yep. been on television a good bit. A lot. And yep. Yep. yep, I actually saw his name on television, uh, but it was another doctor's face. I actually texted <laughs> him about it the day the day that we set him up for this. But anyway, uh, you told me he's, about he's that. that famous. Yeah. He's that yeah. famous. He's famous yeah. guy. Yeah. Hey, so last week um, it was as actually I guess it was last weekend uh, on the fifteenth. That ended yeah, the last extended, Sunday. Last Sunday? Yep. That ended the official extended enrollment Special for election Obamacare, period. right? Yep, for yep. the ACA. For yep. the ACA. So that, that ended kind of quietly. It really didn't make any news. But well, you know, it was extended from May. Yeah. It was originally February 15th to May 15th. Right. And then they increased it to August 15th. Right. And I don't believe they've increased it past that I, time. I haven't heard and a word. And one of the reasons, Dr. Mark, is you're coming up to open enrollment again back in, in October. You are, but yeah. in open yeah. enrollment, mm-hmm. that's for 2022. Correct. Right? That's and right. I think that was one of the yep. issues here is as folks, if they came on board late in 2021 and mm-hmm. they were approved, I believe that covered things backwards all the way to January. It did. So from a cost perspective, that probably starts to get a little onerous. Yeah. Well, again, there were two and a half million people actually signed up for the ACA since the February 15th increase through August 15th, which I guess is about a six month period there. Right. And the subsidies were doubled as we talked about before. For for just for this year. Yeah. But you know, the thing that, that disturbs me still about this whole program is that Number one, taxpayers are paying these subsidies, but in reality, the benefits are still high deductible health plans, even for the people that qualify for the subsidies. Yep. Well, I mean, there there are a number of them, depending on where you are, right? Right. So so there are a number of the plans that if you're making, say... Between twelve, a year. Yep. well, I think twelve yep. and fifteen, that you're paying no deductibles or right. extremely that's low true. deductibles. That's true. And then, and then there's some then that it ramps if you, up. It ramps yeah, up, and, right. and then that's your right. subsidy would would yep. you know go up. But but with this additional, not your subsidy, but your monthly payment. Um, but with the subsidies, that allowed you to pay less yep. and, and get more, hopefully. Right. So, and you so, know, yeah, so 2.5 million came in. Yeah, 2.5 million. Yep. So, and, and we have some total numbers because, I mean, 
that's great. Okay, that 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 people are still yeah. signing up. Those two point five million. I are believe hopefully about getting things eleven to twelve million people are on the ACA as at, at this point in time. Right. But again, aside from that, there was a report came out in late March that a record high of nearly eighty one point seven million people uh, qualify for Medicaid and the Children's Health Insurance Program, according to the Department of Health and Human Services. Right. So that's the kind of thing I compare that to. So you've got. Can you imagine 80 81, million people, yeah. Dr. Mark? No, it's and, – and that's another – that's 100 percent government funded. It's, you know, the Medicaid that's programs – That's 25 percent of America. Yep, yep. And, uh, and we saw that yep. big bump at the housing crisis when people yep. – you know, yep. employment went, went south. Well, a lot of this came on board late 2020. Yeah, even into 2021. Yeah, oh no, no were question. Losing their no question. Jobs. This is a yep. this is definitely yep. can be a COVID related issue, and yeah. You know, so with with Medicaid, it's got national support, national governmental support, yep. as well as state yep. support. But so that's 81 million, and then yep. the folks that have signed up for the ACA, that's we think about 11 million. Yep. I mean, yep. I'm I'm just looking at those two numbers, yep. and, and there's something. Well, something yep. wrong with that. And then you got 168 million people access their health care through their employer. Mm-hmm. And the rest is Medicare and uh, private pay. Right. Yeah, very small yeah, number. Of very small pay. numbers, yeah. So I think so there are about 62, 63 million Medicare beneficiaries in America today. 63? That makes mm-hmm. sense. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah. So, the, But the number of folks that are on their employee plans has gone down. Gone from 185 to 168. Yep. And I and I would expect that's a lot. Well, I expect it's yeah. going to continue to drop. And it, and if you yes. look at all the numbers, yep. so some of those mm-hmm. folks are picked up on that eighty-one million, right? And some of those folks may be picked up on the eleven million in the ACA. But I'm still concerned that the high deductibles. The, you know, we've talked about that a number of times. Mm-hmm. The average deductible on an ACA plan, if you're not qualifying for the subsidies in the lower out of pocket, oh, sure. is eight thousand dollars. Right. Well, there's no difference yep. between the plans. That if you go on the public market and you go directly to the insurers, right? I mean, it's just whether or not you qualify for a subsidy. That's right. So, That's right. so it's across the board. We've talked about this. It's like the mortgage crisis. We we're mm-hmm. still selling health insurance policies with such high deductibles that folks can't pay them. That's right. But we're doing it. That's right. And I say we. We're selling them policies they can't afford. Right. We talked and, about that a yep. couple of weeks and, ago, and I think that yep. is a basic issue and that's going to account for some of these folks that are employed and getting their insurance from their employer they may be getting a better rate but it's not like it was Mm -hmm. i mean i think it used to be if your employer paid for your insurance you had like no deductible right but now years ago it's it's gotten so expensive for the employers they either they either have they don't have any choice they either have to increase deductibles in those policies so they're less expensive for the company or they can't offer well if you recall i believe we talked a week or two ago about out-of-pocket costs right. in America had hit over $400 billion, yeah. and it's expected to double in the next 10 years to $800 billion out-of-pocket, yeah. out of your own pocket. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how folks can sustain that increase. They can't. And, I mean, that kind of leads us into the next thing we're going to talk yeah. about is, is health care pricing. Mm-hmm. And so health care prices, they, all ri- they rise, rise yep. yearly. Yep. I mean, we we talked. I think our very first show we talked about the cost of healthcare in America for 2017. Was it? I believe so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like four yeah. four point three trillion. Yeah, four point three trillion. Yeah. And yeah. up every year. Yep. Uh, and the percentage that rises every year also goes up every Anywhere year. Anywhere from six to eight percent every year. So yeah. the 
that's an issue all on its own. And but, and remember, we talked about the GDP yes. was approaching twenty percent right. of our overall uh, overall uh, expenditure economy. for yeah, expenditure yeah. for healthcare. Yep. So, but they say that that's going to increase another thirty percent over the next ten years. Yeah. No. The the predictions. Yeah. You just don't want to believe because they're numbers that we just can't handle Mm -hmm. and add to that issues with things like, you know, where where does where does Medicare go? Where's Medicare funding go? But but I've got a great question for you, Dr. Mark, and I've been waiting to ask you this question all day. Uh Oh, when we're talking about health care prices rising twice the rate of inflation. One of the reasons healthcare experts say it's rising is that making matters worse is that the continually rising prices for testing, treatment, and medications don't necessarily translate into better outcomes. Correct. As a physician, can you talk about that? Yeah, I mean, I think that we've seen businesses, we've seen insurance companies, we've seen laboratories and science create things that don't necessarily contribute yep. to the betterment of a, of a disease, right? Without a doubt. Um, but there, it's it's difficult because everybody's out to get the, the advancement that you need to cure everything. Right. And if we come out and say, well, you know, you can make this medication, but how can you sell it? Well, the FDA right. says that it has to be safe and that it has to be right. effective. It doesn't say it has to be more effective. Right. Well, not only that, affordability really is the cornerstone of sustainable healthcare system. And without affordability, people don't get what they need. Right, right. Because it's it, that simple. It's, and it goes back to our Alzheimer drug. Exactly. Right. So we have yeah. something that may or may not be the panacea for taking care of our right. Alzheimer's problem, but it's unaffordable. It may work, but if you can't yeah. afford it, what yeah. good is it? Yeah. So, right. so it is that yeah. part is is a is a incredibly concerning part of a failing system that's going to keep costing more and more and more. So we have a lot of, lot of questions, not so many mm-hmm. answers, Larry. And I think our listeners are probably hungry for a few answers. And I think the reality yep. is, is educating ourselves on how this process works and not just taking for granted that something, some ad you see on TV is the drug that you need. Right. It's not necessarily well, I'm glad the you case. mentioned drug because let's talk about that for a minute. We know how quickly drug prices are increasing in this country. And the number of specialty medications has grown more than 1,200% since the mid-90s. 1,200%. 1,200%. And specialty drugs only account for 2% of all prescriptions, right. but over 40% of all cost. Yeah. yeah. So say that again. So yeah. 2% specialty of the drugs, drugs account for 40% of the cost. 40% of the cost. Yeah. Yep. If you look at any health plan, and particularly the thousands of lives that we take care of mm-hmm. in our right. own IPN, IPN. program mm-hmm. and our value-based, yep. specialty pharmacy is killing us. Yep. That's where all the cost is. Yeah. Yep. Yep. We can keep people out of the hospital. We can reduce admissions and inappropriate readmissions. Mm-hmm. But that specialty pharmacy cost, believe it or not, Dr. Mark, in our own plans is approaching 25% of the total Healthcare bill for some patients, and, and the the reason is is they mm-hmm. sort of operate in a gap that isn't yeah. being denied right. by insurance carriers, right. Right. and and that gap gets it, it gets filled every once in a while. It seems like there's there's a pattern where there's a particular medication that's out there. It's getting very popular, and it's it's covered. Yeah. Yep. So, so the patients aren't paying a big copay. Yep. Yep. They're getting it, and and yep. it's helpful. You're in anti-inflammatory yep. drugs for one, but you know the other one is when a patient goes on to an oncologist, mm-hmm. and let's say they they have cancer and they're on yep. chemo. The primary care doctor loses all control of that patient. Yep. There is no 
management from a primary care physician. It's all built into the oncologist, and then they're pouring all the chemo drugs in, and you have no control. Yeah, no, it's, that's that's an and that's an area where the specialty drugs yeah. come in. Yeah. And you know, yeah. we're not saying you're saying that that the chemotherapy is the wrong way to go. So oh, that's no, absolutely not. not. But there there has to be a way to manage some of these crazy costs. Just again, I yeah. keep going back to the monoclonal antibody argument. Yeah. There has to be a way to make sure that patients who need these medications because we know they're best can get these medications right. Right. and it doesn't break the system because they it's not that you know their development costs are high. They're you know the CYA of uh, out, oh, they of, spend for testing billions and of dollars in research and development. Yeah. Billions, and, and, that, and that's sort of a, a piece that we don't talk much about. There's there's a lot of money spent on defensive medicine. Yes, and when you get to these high level medications, these that are that are more technically sophisticated and newer. I mean, I think there's a lot more concern about complications and issues and gee do i have the coverage to uh, make sure that that giving this if they get a complication that i was doing the right thing right well dr mark we've had a great conversation today loved having dr ajay on and uh, any final words for today for our listeners i tell you i would like everyone to pay close close attention on what they can personally do to decrease the spread of this virus Beautiful. I think that uh, you really have to consider family and friends. I mean, I'm not big into mandates either. Um, I I hope that we get enough people out there vaccinated on their own free will and their own confidence that that's the right way to go. And uh, we need to we need to do this together. It's not just for that one individual. I mean, it, it affects everybody. Thanks, Dr. Mark. Enjoyed being with you today. We'll see you next week. See you next week. Okay. You feel better now? We hope you do. Join us again next week for Healthcare Now. For a podcast of this program, go to theanswerorlando.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.